The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Uh, just uh, for the purposes of this weekend, I am not your lead pastor. I am not the teaching pastor. I have a new title this weekend of uh, CRO. And I even had Tyler make up a new business card for me here. Uh, Todd Dugard, see that there? A chief, I am chief recruitment officer for Harvest Bible Chapel Barry today. And so uh, that's kind of where we're going to go. That um, all relates to us having accounting this weekend, but after this weekend, really, it's just 11 weekends before our move into 7 George Street. Yeah, that's, that's pretty odd. Want to see some pictures? All right, let's, let's take a look at some, some pictures here. Of course, you know this and lots of construction going on, and uh, there's actually been pretty good progress even since these uh, pictures were taken. Let's get to the next one here. And um, uh, that big rubble pile is gone now, and we've torn out some other things there. So again, lots of progress being made. This is the south lobby, and since this picture was taken yesterday, all the flooring went in. So that's pretty awesome. And the ceiling has been painted. Again, this is the south lobby, and, we're, uh, and there's something called German schmear on the, on the brick. I, I don't even know what that is. All right. And then this is the uh, inside of the worship center. You can see the stage on the right being built. And again, the ceiling's all been painted. Actually, the room is painted. Um, and uh, what do we got next? North lobby, Harvest Kids check-in. A bit pathetic, but that's fine. <laughs> and the Harvest Kids big room. Right. So that was fun to look at. Um, so let's get, you know, obviously the move to 7 George Street is going to mean some, some big uh, changes for our church. Um, and one of the things I've talked about already, and this again relates to the message here, is that we're, we're no longer going to need the tabernacle team. And they have served um, four, <laughs> some people are so happy about that, right? Um, you know, since our soft launch in, um, our, in January 2001 was when we kind of first soft launched before our official launch in September of that year, we were going for eight months at the Sunnydale Community Center, set up and tear down every uh, single week, and we kind of did the, ran the numbers on this, and um, uh, more than 800 weekends of uh, rolling out the cabinets and uh, running wires and setting up chairs and hanging signs and uh, making a school into a church and then several hours later returning it so that it could be a, a school again. Uh, 16 years of that. Um, that's actually more than 16 years. It's actually the stuff of legends, I can tell you, as pastors, as I talk to pastors and other churches in our Harvest Bible Fellowship about us, we are the legendary Harvest Bible Chapel Barry uh, for the amount of time uh, that we have done this. Now, sadly, I'm going to say this, despite the response of a minute or so ago, sadly, sadly, in some ways, the Tabernacle team, uh, their work will end on Sunday, August the 13th. And I say, uh, sadly, because we're going to stack the last of the chairs at, at, here at Timothy. We're going to turn in our keys. And as Pastor Jordan says, we're going to burn everything with wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I 
How many want to come to that bonfire? Like seriously, I know, I know you do, I know you do. Um, but it seems funny to say this, that even though we're eliminating the tabernacle team and, and, and releasing those people from the obligations that they've had over the last 16 years, even though that is happening, with our move to 7 George Street, does this seem odd? Our need for servants is increasing, not decreasing. That as we move into our new facility, we actually need more people to step up and say, I'll do that, I'll do that. We know that many, many of you already serve here in the church. In fact, this is a very strong church in terms of the number of people who actually serve. But some of you here, here's what I need to say, and this is where we're going to go in the message. Some of you need to find a new gear and serve more because you're under capacity in terms of what you could be doing for the Lord. Some of you, and this is the simplest one, some of you aren't doing anything. You're not serving, you're not on any teams, there's no aware that you're contributing in terms of service in the church, and you need to start. And for some here in the room, and as we get into this message, this is so important, for some here in the room, it's okay for you to say, no, I'm already at capacity, some of you are over capacity in your service, and it's okay for you I'm giving you a one-off permission for a Sunday message here. I'm, just, I'm giving you one-off permission to say, you know what, this one just doesn't apply to me. I'm already at capacity or over capacity, and so for you, I'm telling you right now, you have permission for this message to be for information purposes only, all right? Because some of you are already there. This message is more for those who are under capacity or not serving at all. And so as we get into this, probably the best passage that we could look at in the scripture is in the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, which really in this passage we see the mechanics and the purposes and the motivations and even, the, if I could say it this way, the secret sauce for serving. And the bottom line is you and I must work for Christ and his church. That's a must. You and I must work for Christ and his church. And so let's figure that out from the word and, we're, and then we're gonna spend the balance of the message looking at very specific needs that we have going into 7 George Street. So let me read the text for us. We're gonna read actually just the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul writes this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so the uh, nail that we're hitting today is this. I must serve Christ and his church. Let's start with this. According to the gifts 
uh, given to me, the gift or the gifts given to me. Now we heard in verse five, just read it a moment ago, there are varieties of service. We heard in verse six that God empowers the individual gifts. He empowers them all in everyone, in everyone. So you could even just jot this down. Everyone has a spiritual gift or a talent from God to serve the church. And in verses eight through 11, he lists what those are. He actually lists nine of them. Wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and the working of miracles, the ability to prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits or the gift of discernment, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And then he says, notice uh, here, notice the same spirit apportions to each one individually as he wills. Every person, that is every follower of Christ, every believer has a special talent, a gift, a spiritual gift from God to serve the church. Now you might look at the list and go, you know, I don't think I have any of those ones. I'm looking at that list and in fact they all look like, we could just put it this way, the more miraculous gifts the more specialized or supernatural gifts. And and why would he pick these ones and how does this relate to me? And the reality is we're reading 1 Corinthians, which is the letter written to the most messed up church ever in the history of messed up churches. And this entire letter is Paul just addressing issue after issue. You have this problem, this is the solution. You guys are messed up in this way, here's how you're gonna fix that. The entire letter is that. And in chapters 12, 13, 14, he's addressing an issue around the use of the spiritual gifts in the church. And they were messed up in that area as well. And so in chapter 12, he's laying the foundation for that. In chapter 13, he's gonna talk about the greatest of all things, which is... Love, of course. And then in chapter 14, he gives the corrective. Here's where you're messing up, and and you need to go back to 12 and and 13 and figure it out and, and not mess up anymore. So that's why they're messing up, specifically in the area of these miraculous gifts. That's why he mentions these nine. But now listen, this isn't a complete list of the spiritual gifts. And we know that because when he wrote to the Romans, he gave a very different list. Let's look at that list. You can jot down this reference, Romans 12, uh, three to eight. Now we're gonna see, we just saw nine more supernatural gifts. Now we're gonna see seven, let's just call them a less miraculous, more normative gifts. Is that fair? These seven, having gifts, now this is Romans 12, three to eight, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or counsels in his exhortation, the one who contributes or gives in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act of mercy, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now you can see that those gifts, now you're going, okay, that's, that's more my neighborhood of gifts. That's more the list of things that we would see going on here on a daily and weekly basis as part of this church family. We have the more normative uh, gifts. And so could you see something on there? You go, you know what, I think that's my gift. I'm involved in biblical soul care. I think I do have uh, the gift of mercy. I think I do have the gift of exhortation. And that's why I find myself serving in that particular role. You should be able to look there and say, there's something there and that fits with what I'm actually uh, doing for the Lord. Now there's a third passage that's important for us to look at and that's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And this one focuses more on I'm just gonna say it this way, leadership roles slash gifts because now we get a list of actual 
say, titles or offices that are active in the church. He gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, notice the purpose for these leadership roles, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. These leadership roles slash gifts that God gives have a very specific purpose, function inside the church. And, and it is this, to train the body, to train the saints, as he says, to train the members of the church to actually do the ministry. So, if I can lay this out, the pastors of this church, the elders of this church, are not primarily charged with doing the ministry, We are primarily charged with leading the ministry in this way. Recruit people, train them, encourage them so that they actually do the ministry. And in a very real sense, it's exactly how it plays out here. So don't expect the pastoral team to actually be doing the ministry in that sense, uh, but to be charging up the saints, training the saints, teaching the saints to actually do that. That's what the text says says here, this is the direction or the philosophy that, the, that every church needs to have, not looking for the pastors or the elders to do it all, but really all of us doing it together. Now, having said that, because these are leadership roles and we need to di- dip back in to uh, the latter part of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, which we're not going to look at, we now need to deal with the fact that some are called to a leadership role, a more prominent role, and some are not. Some have very behind-the-scenes roles. And what Paul says in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 12 is this, that there's no room for jealousy in the church and that no gift is more important than another. And so people have labored, for example, on our tabernacle team this weekend, and you don't even really know who they are because they're not currently under the spotlight. They're not on a raised platform. They don't have a microphone. They're not up front. They're not being videotaped uh, for the web. Uh, Listen, they don't have any of that going for them. They're behind the scenes, but do we all not realize that this service isn't happening if someone didn't come and set all this up? So no one's more important than anyone else. No room for jealousy. No room for exalting self. no No room for anyone to think too much of themselves and their place of service. Every single role in the church essential for the body to work correctly. And now with all of that said, then the question becomes, how can I, I hope you're thinking this right now, how can I know my gift and how can I know where I'm supposed to be serving? And many years ago, before I even got to harvest, in my previous church, we would teach some material that was originally developed by Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Community Church in California. And it was a simple little acrostic uh, around the word shape answering this question, do you know your unique ministry shape? And this is designed to help you find out where should I be serving? And so here's the five words around the word shape. Uh, First of all, spiritual gifts. We've just gone through that. Three passages that help us find out what our spiritual gifts are. But again, let me say, those three lists are not a complete list of all possible spiritual gifts. There may be more. The scriptures don't provide us a complete list of those things. But you need to look at that list, you need to look at an assessment, and you need to say, which one of these is most likely to be the thing that I'm good at, the thing that God is empowering in my life. Second word is heartbeat, or you could put the word passion there. What am I really passionate about? What do I want to do? 
What do I get fired up about doing? And the way that these two things work is if I discover, for example, that my spiritual gift is teaching, then that's one thing I know I can teach. But then my passion is going to direct me where I'm going to teach. So maybe I have a passion to teach children. Or maybe I have a passion to be a youth leader. Or maybe I have a passion uh, to be a, a small group, a facilitator, working through someone else's material but helping to facilitate uh, growth and, and application and discussion around that. Or maybe I do feel a call to become a pastor, a teaching pastor in some way. That's going to depend on my passion. I have the gift of teaching, but what, what way is that going to be directed? That speaks to heartbeat. And then abilities would be other talents that I have that would not necessarily be spiritual gifts, but I have some other talents in the church. And we, we've had some people with some talents. For example, there are some people who are gifted in German schmear. I had no idea, and so they were able to go and apply their spiritual, not a spiritual gift, their specific ability to German schmear to bless the church, and you're going to get to see that someday. Again, I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> spiritual gifts, heartbeat, abilities, you see that. Personality, what kind of personality do you have? If you're, um, are you outgoing, or are you more introverted? Are you laid back? Or you are a take charge kind of person and put yourself out there. And, and listen, that's gonna, your personality in some ways is going to dictate the kind of ministry that you're going to have in the church. And then finally, experiences along the way, things have happened to you that have kind of shaped you and helped you become the unique person that you are. And from the earliest days of following Christ, I've just had so many opportunities. I spent a summer in northern British Columbia working with First Nations uh, peoples. I, I uh, worked uh, for a year in correctional services in London, Ontario. I've worked with children's ministry. I've done day camps. And, and I've done just so many different things. I was a youth leader for a while. And you do all of these things and you find out the things that you're good at. You find out the things you should not be doing. I found out a lot of things. I'll just tell you, there's a lot more X's on my list of experiences than there are check marks in terms of what I should or should not be doing. And God used all of those experiences to bring me to the place where I'm serving where I am today. And, and so all of this together determines your unique ministry shape. And I, I don't want you to think through all of that for yourself now. And when, and when you kind of come to the end, you know what, okay, I've thought about as much as I can, I'm still not completely sure, or even just to affirm what you are thinking, ask someone else. Ask leaders that you work with, ask other people that you work with, ask some of your friends or your family, what do you think I should be doing? What do you think my spiritual gift is? Get the affirmation of someone else, and then get engaged, even if you don't know. Just say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And if that doesn't work and you feel like it is not a good fit and something else might be, then, then, then move on and try something else until uh, through a process of elimination you might find the thing that God has really gifted you in and where you can make an impact, where you're doing what God has really shaped you to do. And all of this, no matter what you determine it to be with the help of the Spirit, all of this, if we could borrow the phrase from Ephesians 4 again, all of this for the building up of the body of Christ. Because that's why we're here. That's what God has fit us for. And we'll give Rick Warren the last word on this point. He said, what God made you to be, first of all, a follower of Christ, and then shaped uniquely for service. What God made you to be determines what God intends for you to do. Amen? All right, that's the first one. Let's get on uh, to the next one. I must serve Christ in his church according to the gifts he's given uh, to us. And then uh, for the common good. For the common good. 
Uh, This gets at the God-given purpose that we have in serving, and this is really the key verse for this entire message, verse 7. Look at it. Uh, To each is given the manifestation or the gift of the Spirit. Notice, underline this in your Bibles, for the common good. Now, obviously, for the good of the body of Christ. When we serve, we bless the church. We bless our fellow members uh, in, in whatever way we're serving. Um, we should also think that this is blessing us. To use our spiritual gifts, to be engaged in ministry is a blessing back on us. And, and we know that blessing follows obedience. So when we obey Christ in this, there will be a blessing that comes back on us. Not to mention that there will be spiritual growth. Not to mention that we're going to get to feel like we belong to something. All of those are blessings for the common good. So it's for the good of fellow members. It's for the good of myself. And for sure it's for the good of the world that doesn't even know Christ yet. For those who haven't, haven't followed Jesus Christ. But who are going to look at what's going on here and say, you know what, I want to be part of something like this. Because I see God at work through the people here. Uh, So much good to be had when we work for Christ. It's for the common good. And this is going to play out at 7 George Street. And in so many ways, our first impressions ministry needs more uh, greeters uh, for the common good to cover the simple math here. There's more doors. So all of you for this, this service this morning, all of you came through how many sets of doors? Just one set of, set of doors. But, but when we go into the new worship center at 7 George Street, there are now three sets of doors going into the worship center from the two main lobbies. And, and so, uh, triple, triple the number of people, right? Triple the number of people to cover all of the doors. That's just one example of, of the kind of thing that we need. We need more greeters. We need more parking attendants to maximize our smallest parking lot. We need um, people in our new expanded cafe. We're going to have a commercial kitchen eventually. It means an expanded hospitality ministry team. We have all kinds of cool new tech capabilities in this church. It means we need uh, men and women to step up into our worship and production teams. Harvest Kids Ministry. Jeannie, get ready to cheer. Harvest Kids Ministry has a brand new cool facility. Exactly. And uh, we need many willing and passionate servants who are going to you know, fill all kinds of different roles. We have a, we have a, a, a designated area, Jeannie's going to talk about it's a designated area to help uh, kids who have special needs. And, and uh, we're going to come alongside them in a new way, but there's no sense having a room if you don't have people with a gift of compassion and love who are going to step in and care for uh, some of these kids. And, and so it's lots of very cool new opportunities and all of this, listen, for the common good of the church. Amen. Amen. All right, so we got those uh, two locked down. I must also serve, this is so important, I must serve by the power of the Spirit. Uh, Verses four through six, now there are varieties of gifts, the same Spirit, varieties of service, the same Lord, varieties of activities, the same God who, what's the word? Empowers, empowers them in everyone. Now listen, this, this cannot, cannot be overstated. If the power of God is not in what we are seeking to do, then it is of little or no consequence. If the power of God is not in what we are seeking to do, it is of little or no consequence. We would be nothing more than the Rotary Club. 
Now, the Rotary Club is a fine organization, but it's not claiming to be anything other than what it is, a service club. But we're claiming, as 1 Timothy 3 says, we're claiming to be the church of the living God. We're claiming to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're claiming to have Jesus Christ as the one who we are lifting high and representing him in this world. We're claiming to be citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. We're not, we're not claiming to be the Rotary Club. We're claiming something so much more. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference that we need to distinguish us from anyone else. And we shouldn't miss the temptation that's here. We shouldn't miss that we as human beings often trip ourselves up here and make things more important than they ought to be. And the thing that's important to us is not really the main thing. And that is what we see here in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit. Literally what this word means, and it's translated in some places the gift of the Spirit, but the manifestation of the Spirit literally means the Spirit shows up in my service. The Holy Spirit is evident in what I'm seeking to do. It's God taking what we do and empowering it in a significant way to do something significantly more supernatural than we could ever accomplish on our own. What are we talking about? We're talking about the power of salvation to see someone move from death to life. That doesn't happen because you and I just serve one another. That happens because the power of the Holy Spirit is in our service to one another. Ongoing transformation in the life of a believer that we're, we're not just, we're not just uh, content with where we're at, but we're seeking to more and more in the days ahead reflect, reflect the image of Jesus Christ. I want to become more like him. That ongoing process of sanctification, of transformation only happens, not because we're serving one another, but because we're serving one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's bringing about change. How about the power to endure trials? The way that we make it through all the difficulties that we face. It's not just because we um, muscle up. It's not just because we're determined to get through it. It's because the Holy Spirit has filled us. Because we come alongside one another with the Holy Spirit. And we walk this journey together in his power. The power to overcome persecution, the power to have wisdom that's from God. I don't know where that came from. And you say something to someone and it encourages them and it blesses them and it challenges them and they thank you and their life is transformed because of something you said. That's the wisdom of God. That's not because you're smart. It's because the Holy Spirit spoke through you. That's what we're trying to get our hands around here. These things and so Many more things happen only when the power of God is evident in our service. And Paul said it this way in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. He just said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. When we start talking about the Holy Spirit being in our service, we're talking about the same power. It's the power that brought Jesus back from the dead. 
It's the power of the resurrection on display in every single act of service that's going on here on a daily basis. You say, well, how do I get that? I'm convinced, I I get it, but how can that power be mine? Well, I jotted down a few words that are gonna help us. First of all, surrender. I'm gonna surrender my thing to him. I, I wrote down the word submission, which means I'm gonna get under his leadership. And what God says, that's the thing I'm gonna do. I wrote down the word humility. I've gotta get low and I've gotta make this thing about Jesus Christ and exalt him. My life is about worship. This isn't the only time during the week that we worship. Worship is 24-7 for a follower of Jesus Christ. In every single act and every word I say and all of my attitudes, those are all acts of worship before the Lord. I gotta get humble. And I wrote down prayer. You gotta pray for this and pray for your service and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit with everything that you do. When you think about all of those things and how it's, it's gonna position you relative to God, then you're gonna lose some of the attitudes that some people do have, some are tempted to have when it comes to their service. Well, look at me, I'm serving. I'm a servant, I serve. I'm very gifted. Look at the position I have. Look at the, look at the effect of my ministry. Look at the change that's happening. And you start to think too much of yourself. You, you start to think that somehow you're the cat's meow when it comes to serving in the church. And if that's the case, if you think serving's about you, then listen, don't expect the power of God. Because if you think your ministry is about you, if you think you deserve anything off of it at all, then you've missed the whole point. Yes, sometimes good things do result when people do things with wrong motives and wrong attitudes. Sometimes that still happens because God's got a greater plan and God's going to use whomever he wishes, correct? God's even going to use people that are doing things in the flesh selfishly. God's still going to use those people. I know that because back in the book of Numbers, of course, he used Balaam to bring a prophetic word. Balaam was a false prophet, and he used Balaam to actually speak a strong word to his people. And when Balaam was actually failing, if I could quote the King James Version here, when Balaam was failing to do the thing that God wanted him to do, Balaam's ass spoke up. You know why I quoted the King James, right? (laughs) Donkey just doesn't have the same punch to it. I'm just saying, if God can use Balaam's ass, he can use me. Okay, instead, instead, come in weakness. Come meekly to your service, no matter what it is. And not that I'm a great example of any of this necessarily. I will confess to you that there, are be, there have been times when I've stood up here on weekends and I have preached in the flesh. I know that. There are times, especially in the earlier years, when growth was coming so easily and it didn't seem like we had to work very hard for this. There were times when I thought way too much of myself but I want you to hear my heart now because it's different. And I want you to know that before I get up here every single weekend, 
before every single service in the moments before this starts, I am trembling inwardly and sometimes outwardly. And Cheryl knows this because she's sitting beside me and having to deal with it in those moments. I feel the weight of doing this and maybe I don't project it, but if you would read my journaled prayers, you would know that I come in weakness every time. I stand here trembling before you. Weakness, by the way, does not mean that I come unprepared. And this is important for every area of ministry. Coming in weakness does not mean that I come in unprepared and expect the Holy Spirit, oh God, I didn't have time to prep the message this week very well. I just hope the Spirit would carry me along. That's not working in the power of the Spirit. That's presumption on God. That's foolishness. That's not using the gifts that God has given to me. I want you to know I'm, I'm very prepared to be here. I want you to know that I've studied, I've meditated upon, I've considered, I've written, I've rewritten, I've edited. I want you to know that I've, I've preached it aloud to myself and to the Lord and rehearsed it. And I want you to know that I'm prayed up before I come here. I want you to know that I'm coming prepared but I'm coming in weakness and every single time it seems like I'm doing it for the first time. Because I know that nothing good will come from this apart from the Holy Spirit empowering me. And that applies to every ministry. But I don't want you to think that just because this is the upfront ministry, and of course that applies to preaching, and I get how that applies to preaching, but I don't want you to think that that doesn't also apply to those who served in the parking lot this morning. I don't want you to think that, that coming and serving in the parking lot is just, you know what, I'm on a schedule and it's my turn and I'm just going to show up. I want you to show up prepared. I want you to come having thought through what you're going to do on this morning. I want you to come having prayed that God would you, you, use you in a significant way to impact people even as you just wave to them, or even as you try to direct them into a parking spot that that too is spiritual work, that that too requires the power of the Holy Spirit to do in a way that brings about salvation and transformation. I want every soul care worker to think that way. I want every Harvest Kids worker to think that way. I want everyone who works in any kind of administrative function where you're pushing papers and running numbers and counting money and whatever you're doing to think of it as spiritual work. I need the power of the Spirit to do this today. Not just the upfront ones where it's obvious, like the worship team, but the behind the scenes ones, like those who are working on the table right now in our production ministry. Every area of ministry prepared with the power of the Holy Spirit in them so that something good will come from all of this. Then here's the foundation for all of it. This is the last thing we're going to look at. I must serve Christ in his church because Jesus is Lord. Now, this is where Paul started, and you can see that we've been working through the 11 verses from the bottom up here. And in the very first verse, he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. I need you to know this. No, and then he says right at the end, no one can say, 
Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, that's when you can actually acknowledge that Jesus is in charge, that he is the king, that he is Lord of my life. And this is at the core of the why question. Why would I serve? Why would I find my spiritual gift? Why would I think through my unique shape? Why would I give myself in this way? The foundation, the answer for that is the lordship of Jesus Christ. See, I don't want to sell you on the idea of serving for any other reason but that this is the most important work that you will ever do in a week. This is it. This is the most important work you're going to do. Whatever other job you have, I'm sure that that's very important and it's important to you and you're doing important work and you're, you're working for someone else and it's important that you give your all to that for sure, but it's not the most important work you do. Because what's happening here when we get together to exercise our gifts together, the whole body working together perfectly, what we are doing is we are communicating eternity to people. Eternity actually hangs in the balance for people. So every single part doing its bit, serving in the way that you're gifted and passionate, is helping people choose between life and death, between Christ and this world. It's the difference between someone finding the forgiveness of sins and still being in their sin. It's the most important work you're gonna do and it speaks to who's in charge in your life. That's the lordship part. Because if Jesus has saved you, then you are his and you should feel the compulsion to serve him out of honor and out of love. And Paul's point in verses two and three is that saved people, those who are actually filled with the Holy Spirit, would never curse God in any way. They would never treat God lightly in any way. And that anyone who has the Spirit, who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, would in fact, by the manner of their life, say, Jesus is Lord. Now notice I said by the manner of their life because I know that for salvation you actually have to confess it with your mouth. Romans 10 speaks about that. That I'm gonna confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and yes, we need to be confessing Jesus with our mouth but the longer we live this Christian life, isn't it true that it's really the manner of our life and not the thing that we speak but the manner of our life that speaks to the Lordship of Christ. And in your manner of living, in the choices that you're making, in the allocation of your time and talents. Do those things speak of the lordship of Christ? See, he's given you talents. He's given you time. And if we were to evaluate those two things in your life, would I see the lordship of Christ in those things? Because we should see that when we're under his lordship, his leadership, when we heed his commands for the use of our time and talents. Jesus is Lord overall. Have you made him Lord of your life? And does that show? 
Well, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, and I know that you're thinking right now, how should I respond and what opportunities are out there? And I'm glad you asked the question, and I'm glad you thought to have it on the screen behind me. <laughs> so what I have, what I have are 24 uh, new roles uh, that my staff team has handed on, on to us uh, to talk about. And I want to highlight just a few of these, not all of them. I want to highlight just a few of these that are new and particular to 7 George Street. And before I get into those, I want to highlight one in particular and just show you this card because there are um, information tables out in the lobby where we're going to encourage you to stop by and see some of our uh, team leaders and staff uh, following the service. And, and these cards are on the table. I'm going to highlight the cafe ministry, uh, the new cafe ministry under hospitality because because this is my wife's ministry and I recently made a crack about her age on Facebook. I'm trying to score some points. <laughs> the cafe ministry is awesome and you want to be involved in this. And so what you're going to see on every one of the cards for all 24 of these ministries is the frequency, how often uh, is this going to happen, my time commitment when I am serving, a brief description of what that ministry look like, looks like, and then who you're going to contact in order to get more information or to sign up for this if you don't stop by right away in the lobby. So where you could sign up right away and go, yeah, I'm, I totally know what I want to do and where I'm gifted and how I can serve, and you sign up for it right away, or you could just take the card and pray through those things and contact us later. And so let me highlight a few of these things, again, new to 7 George Street or enhanced. So enhanced security teams, um, enhanced parking teams. We now need about six people. We need to maximize uh, the, the effectiveness of our parking lot. I'm just going to say this. Here at Timothy, we didn't always have lines and we had more parking than we really needed here uh, for most services. And I would just say here at Timothy, it's been a bit of the book of Judges when it comes to parking. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and we're just on 2.2 acres over at 7 George Street, so it's going to be like you've got to park between the lines and, and you've got to listen to the parking people and not give them any grief at all. Amen? Man, not give them any grief at all. Uh, we need 20 people on our greeting teams for every service. There's just more doors to staff. We need new hospitality team people. As I said, the cafe will be expanded. We, uh, we have a commercial kitchen, again, as I said, that's coming on stream. In the short term, we need hosts and hostesses for small and medium-sized events. Um, in essence, we're going to be uh, consolidating all of our hospitality in one spot, and then every ministry that needs hospitality is going to be, it's all going to be centralized, and so we need people for that. Uh, we need lighting people. Uh, the options here at Timothy for lighting have been off and on, and we, we have, <laughs> correct, and so... We have, uh, we have uh, greater flexibility. We need some people to run that for us during services. We need video camera operators and production team people in Harvest Kids. Um, uh, we need a tech team lead uh, to make sure check-in and projection in all rooms is running smoothly. And then Jeannie's going to talk to us about her need for uh, people to work in our new sunshine room for kids with special needs. That's going to be awesome to have as well. And so what I thought I would do, as we, as we, I just thought it would be great to bring up three of our staff team to if this isn't crass, to make their pitch. Is that okay? And to have them speak to you directly. So Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne. And then Jamie, come on. Hey guys, um, that's gonna work 
Better, better, better. There it is. Sorry, I forgot to turn that on. Um, Listen, First Impressions Ministry is fun. That's how you spell First Impressions. It's not complicated. It's not technical. So all you really need to do is have a welcoming spirit and an inviting smile. So turn to the person beside you and smile. Okay, if you got one of those, you can do this for us, all right? Um, Now, we need many more people to keep these things working. And our role in the church is to reassure people, to reassure them that when they show up here, they've done the right thing by coming to worship the Lord here. Um, You know, this week, someone, because it happens every week, I follow up with all these things, someone is going to fall under the conviction of the Lord to drive from wherever they are in the Simcoe area to this church. Right, they're going to get in a car, they're going to have a conversation perhaps with their spouse and say, you know, I got to go to church. We got to grab the kids, we got to do this. Or they're going to say to somebody at work, I'm going to go to church this week. And they're going to what are you going to do? And they're going to say, I don't know, but I've got to go. Right? And they're going to get in their car and they're going to be feeling anxious. Right? Their heart is going to be racing. They're going to say, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get in that door. Right? And they're going to show up here. And one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to have every spot filled or there's going to be an absence. And, the, and I want people to show up in that parking lot with that heart racing, and as they come up, they see someone in our parking lot, and that person's waving. And that person says, hi, you know, we have a spot for you up near the front. Why don't you go there, and you're going to meet my friend. And my friend's going to take you to the greeters, and the greeters are going to say, hi, I'm glad you're here. And that person's heart's going to start to fall, and they're going to be reassured by your welcoming spirit and your inviting smile. And they're going to bring them into the service, and they're going to meet some of our ushers, and they're going to sit them down beside one of you, and you're going to turn to them and give them that smile you just gave them and say, hi, I'm so glad you're here, right? And they're going to, I think that the Lord wants me at this church, right? Now, that's not your experience. Maybe you grew up in a church like I did, and you've never felt uncomfortable walking in any type of church building before, but that is not the way it is anymore, right? And if you, unless you've been in a situation like that, where you've decided you're going to try to make a very different change, you've never really needed a greeter. You don't need a greeter at Walmart. You don't need that kid at McDonald's, right? You already know what you want. You're going to be in and out, but this is your business with the Lord. So you come in here and you need that, and it's going to change the way you live. So um, as you take your first physical steps toward a building you've never been inside before and you hear hello from the greeters at the door, you get the sense just even from the beginning, the parking ministry, that you've made the right choice to be here. So we need you guys to step up and do that. Uh, In the parking lot, you get to be salt and light for the Lord. We're going to do something else different at Seven George as well, our guest central. So after they've come in and after you've all given them your smiles and your very best salt and life impression, they're gonna leave and they say, well, I wanna make sure, is this the right place? We wanna take them to our expanded guest central area. And in there, it's gonna be different. We're gonna use our hospitality team. It's gonna be different. And you're gonna see it and you go, I wanna go in there. I wanna go talk with Pastor Todd. I wanna go talk with someone, but you can't. It's not for you because you're not new. But if you brought someone or if you noticed your friend come out and say, wow, you came to church today? I'm going to take you to this place. We're going to go in there. We're going to have a bit of a stand-up reception, a little bit of food, a little bit of atmosphere. And we're going to get to meet some people that the rest of us have regular access to. But for them, they might say, hey, I'd love to meet one of your small group leaders. Or I'd love to meet someone that's in one of these ministries. Or I'd love to meet someone else here that can help, help me understand this church a little bit better. And that's what we're going to do with Guest Central. So you've heard all the different spots we have. We'd love to see you in the lobby. We've got a table out there right beside the table with the cookies. If you come and see us, maybe you can get a cookie from them. No. So 
I'm super excited to have this mic right now, right? I want to tell you about a ministry that I need you to be involved in. People that work in ministry with me or live with me know that I have an arch enemy. Do you know what that is? What is it, children? Technology. That's right. Absolutely. I have no capacity or capability with technology, yet my ministry is filled with it. And it is absolutely vital right? Our check-in system maintains the safety and security of our precious treasures, our children. So it has to be working all the time when every parent steps up there. And I need people to help me do that. In almost every classroom in Harvest Kids, we're going to have multimedia access. And I need people to make sure that that is working as well so that we can provide that amazing opportunity for our children, right? Can you step up and be my hero, please? I definitely need you. I need someone to take the lead on this ministry. Right? And then I need a team that's going to be there to support it. So that is one of the areas. The other one that I wanted to share with you is so dear to my heart because we just haven't been able to support this in this facility. We have no capability or capacity for that either. And that is to be able to support families and children with exceptionalities. We just haven't been able to do that. And I want to be able to provide that at 7 George Street, and we will be able to. We want to have a room. We will have a room. It's going to happen, actually. I don't have to dream about this anymore. It's going to be set up. It's going to be our little piece of sunshine where we can accommodate kids who just have some sensory needs, who maybe just need a, a calm spot. Every single week in Harvest Kids, I have children standing in the hall because Harvest Kids worship is too crazy for them. We are loud, there are lights, we jump up and down, and that is terrifying for some children. So they stand in the hall, and that breaks my heart. I wanna be able to take them to the sunshine room, and we're gonna worship Jesus quietly um, and just be able to support them however we can. So some of you are already gifted in this area, I know, because you've stepped forward. Lindsay McAdam is going to be heading up this ministry. She is already killing it with her passion and her ideas, and she needs a team. We wanna be able to work in classrooms with kids and also to support them outside. Do you know that there are families in this city who don't come to church? because we can't accommodate their children. And that is never going to be the case because we are going to be able to do that at our new church. One, yes, right? One more area that I need an extra bit of help because currently our Harvest Kids check-in is in the middle of an intersection, right? It's a little crazy. We are going to have this beautiful, expansive lobby and Harvest Kids, and I can't wait. Our welcome desk is going to be twice the size, so we need twice the people, right? If you are an A-type, if you are organized, if computers do not wig you out, if you love to um, welcome people and love on them, then I need you on my welcome desk team, Okay. Isn't this going to be so fun? Yeah. Yeah. All right, our third uh, staff member is going to speak to us, had already planned a weekend away when we planned this weekend. And so Pastor Jordan, we have Pastor Jordan on the phone right now, actually. Hey, Pastor Todd. Hey, church. How you guys doing? That's great to hear you all look fabulous. Hey, I'm really pumped about the potential to add to our worship and production teams. And worship is one of our four pillars here, and it's a big deal to us as a church. And the worship culture that we have here is something so unique, and I, I don't take it for granted. And, you know, we're hoping to take things to the next level as we grow our teams and make our move to 7 George Street. So, for example, if you've been coming here for a while and you used to play guitar for someone like, I don't know, like a, a journey, and you've never talked to us about that, you know, now is the time. Or maybe if you sang backup for someone like 
Whitney Houston, or maybe at least in your car or something, you know, now's the time to come let us know. You know, we'd love to plug in anyone with any musical giftings, whether it's a stringed instrument or just your voice, whatever it is. We'd love to know. Come talk to us in the lobby about that. And on the flip side, you know, we have our, our worship team that you see up front, but behind the scenes we have an amazing production team. And maybe you have a passion to run audio or to learn about it, or you have an interest in lighting or making sure that all the slides come up on time. Um, we want to know about that. We would love to get you plugged in. We have several ministries um, that need uh, people like that, that have a passion and a gifting in that way. And, you know, we have one additional kind of one-off, one-time serving day, June 10th. We're hoping from 9 to 5. We're looking for as many people as we can to help us construct in our new facility, to construct some sound paneling for our new worship center. And you'll actually get to come into the new building before it's all finished up to be able to check it out. We'll feed you some delicious meals. We'll have a great time together. Again, if you are uh, over the age of 12, um, senior high students, if you need some hours uh, to put in for uh, volunteering, and if you just uh, love or have an experience or don't have an experience with power tools, um, we would love to plug you into this. So let us know. Check out our booth for more info. Uh, we'd love to see you out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pastor Jordan. That's oh, wow. Skip the power tools comment. So, Jeannie, come on up here for a second. I'm going to get uh, Jeannie uh, to pray for us. And, um, you know, we, we um, you heard this expression, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. That's true every single week when we're trying to do what we do, what we do here. Uh, but that's true in terms of this fall and what we want to try to do. It, we're not going to get a second chance to have our launch at 7 George Street. So we need a lot of you to step up and to make this a very powerful testimony and witness to the city. They're interested in what's going on at Seven George because this building is an iconic building in our city. People know about it and they're watching to see how we do this. So let's do it in a way that really honors the Lord and demonstrates what the body of Christ is really about. Some of you need to step up to say, I'll do that. I'll do that. So Jeannie's going to pray for us and then I have a couple of quick announcements before we close. Okay, let's pray. Holy God, you are awesome and amazing and powerful and majestic and merciful and so filled with grace. And I am so thankful for that gift of grace, God, that you extended to each and every one of us. I am so grateful for your church. I love this church and I love your people and I love to watch them serve you Father, you have done amazing things in this building with your servants. Father, we all fit together just like your word says. Father, would you bless those who have poured themselves out to you here in this place? Father, would you continue to equip them and encourage them? We know that blessing comes from obedience. Father, so thankful, so, so thankful for what you have done already and we are so excited about what you're going to do in our new home. Father, what a blessing that will be to each and every one of us and to this city. But I pray right now for those who have not stepped forward. Father, I know their hearts are pounding right now. Father, I know the wheels are spinning in their heads. And I pray that you would give them just the strength to come forward, to speak to one of us. Father, I know that you will equip them. We don't have to have all of the answers. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you will fill 
every single hole. I know you are the provider and you will do that and we will watch you. We will watch everyday miracles happen in our church. God, I pray that you would go before us as we plan and as we organize. God, ultimately, we wanna make you famous in this city. God, we wanna give you all of the glory for what you do now and what you will continue to do. Father, we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jeannie, for that. Thanks for our team. So a couple of uh, quick things as we close up here. We have a group of people who are heading off to uh, Israel uh, this week, um, and so they're going to be off here to my left, and we'd like some of you to come and just pray for them. These are life-altering trips, and there's some people who are going for the first time. So if you'd like to come and pray for them as they head out, uh, John's going to be over there with that group. And then over here, we have a fine group of young ladies who are part of the Cross Trainers Ministry. They're heading out on their summer ministry. They're going to be over here to my right, and some of you that want to go and pray for them as they head out on their ministry uh, this summer, they would sure appreciate that. And so let's get around uh, them and some prayer. There are going to be some leaders up here at the front that would love to pray with you about any individual things that are going on in your lives as well. On your way out today, the ushers are going to give you these cards. Next week, we're going to start a new series uh, called Out of the Depths, uh, Praying the Psalms. And it's going to be the next 10 weeks. We're going to look at select psalms. We're going to give you a card that gives you all of the messages with the psalms. And we have a web page that we've set up, uh, harvestberry.ca slash psalms. We've got a reading plan there to, to read through all 150 psalms over the 10 weeks of this series. There's a memorization project. You can sign up for text alerts that'll tell you what you should be reading along the way over the next 10 weeks. So we've got a lot going on with this series. I've invited uh, some, of my, uh, some others to be part of this series. I'm gonna preach about half of these and then the other half by some other preachers. It's gonna be a great uh, series together for sure. So I hope you'll take advantage of all of that. Be sure to stop by those booths in the lobby and uh, get some information uh, along the way before you head out here. And if you're new here this morning, I'd love to meet you at Guest Central. So God bless you. I hope you have a great week in the Lord. You're loved. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.